0: Well good evening, morning, wherever you may be listening, and thanks for joining the three and D podcast. Uh my name is Sean Coleman and uh, uh as always I'm joined by uh, uh my co host uh, um Justin Lewis. Um you can follow me on Twitter at Stats SAC. Um Justin again they could follow you at J underscore Timberfake underscore, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Gotcha. And we actually are, are very happy to um have a third person with us today um fellow grizzly bear blues writer um and uh d- co-host of the uh, core four podcast um parker fleming is joining us today um, as a special guest just to talk about the upcoming uh, rest of the season and uh parker we're very happy to have you with us today
2: thanks for having me sean
0: all right so gonna dive right into it um you know, we just are coming off the All Star break, and 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 it seemed like there was some exciting things going on. I know a lot of Memphis was focused on the Rising Stars game, with Jaron Jackson Jr. matching up against some young stars. But overall, um, I, I Parker, obviously, we'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from All Star weekend? Was it was it as exciting as others, or was there a clear star that you didn't expect to to show up that did?
2: Um. Sean, to be quite honest, uh, I did not get to watch much of All-Star Weekend this past weekend. I watched on Sunday night's All-Star Game, but I was actually in Brandon, Mississippi for a church retreat where we couldn't have our phones or anything. So I was totally unplugged from the world and from basketball. Probably needed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but if I had to really just like kind of pick out like takeaways or a, a rising star perhaps, I would probably talk about um, how the All Star Game is just kind of boring now, because they're just jacking up threes. That's really not that fun. Like I want to see somebody trying to, like I would have liked to see like a a wing or someone like Paul George try to go target Joel Embiid and try to dunk on him or something. That's what I was wanting to see, but you could just see everybody jacking. Like they, one team jacked up like ninety threes. Like that's really not that fun.
0: It, it's overkill at some point. It's great seeing all these stars play together. But the thing about it is this, is that the NBA All-Star Game, I don't know the ratings or anything like that. The baseball All-Star Game is okay. But you are correct. It's just it, it, the novelty is worn off. The, it, the lack of competitive edge, I think, definitely is not there like it once was. Um, so so I, I agree with you 100%. Justin, don't know how much you got to watch. I agree with Parker. I didn't get to watch much of it myself, but did you, yourself, did you notice anything, any takeaways from you?
1: Uh, I was on a uh, ski trip with my new youth group down here in Florida, uh, so I didn't get to watch much uh, either. Uh, but I, I'm kind of on the same page as Parker. Like, it's has to the point where I'll, I'll watch maybe the three-point shootout and the Rising Stars. Um, dunk contest is, is very rarely good anymore. Uh, the the skills competition is uh, nothing, and the All Star game is just uh, a pickup game where they don't play defense, and it's just uh, a time for them to hang out on TV together and pass the ball around for three point shots. Like it's not anything that I'd sit down and, and really want, care to watch.
0: And, and and it makes sense also that the that the biggest takeaway from all this was uh was the potential tampering uh the all tampering team that LeBron put together i think that may have been the biggest storyline of the of the whole um a weekend but, uh, but wanted to have a little bit of fun with y'all, and, and what I mean by that is is that, of course, the Rising Stars Challenge, um, Jaron Jackson was involved with that. So what I did was um, uh, I uh, just basically uh, put together a little game called Player Preference, and, and what I'm going to do is just throw out a combo of players, a duo, and see which one you'd rather have going forward. Um, in terms of you know their near future and, and who you think is going to develop. And I'll just take both your answers for each one. Parker, we'll start with you on this one. I've got Jason Tatum or Donovan Mitchell.
2: Jason Tatum for me. As you've seen in the past several years, the game is kind of taken over by big wings that can score the basketball. And I think last playoffs, Jason Tatum showed that he can – handle that load and he handled that as a 19 year old rookie against lebron james in the eastern conference finals i think right now people would probably say donathan mitchell over tatum because of stats and because he's led a playoff team too but also take into account the whole celtic thing where there's too too many people at the table but not enough food i think i think if we're in a situation, maybe the New Orleans loss against Anthony Davis, you might really see Jason Tatum blossom into that potential superstar that many of us expect him to be.
0: Justin, what about you?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'd have to go with Tatum. Um, He's just – I like his length and his size. I think he'll improve defensively as he gets older. Uh, The versatility that you have with him. I mean, Mitchell, uh, he's undersized. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a freak athlete, um, but you can see the teams are kind of game plan for him. Uh, Tatum, uh, once he gets unleashed and, and he continues to age, uh, will be the better player going forward.
0: I, I have to agree with both of y'all. I think that Tatum offers a bit more quality as well. While Mitchell may get quantity, which may help his opinion out right now, but I agree with the length. If he could, if if he gets the intelligence that he needs on defense, I think Tatum definitely is a multiple All-NBA player um, in his time. Um, Justin, I'll start with you on this one. De'Aaron Fox or Trey Young?
1: Oh, man. Uh, I think I'm going to take Fox. Um, I like his, his size and his athleticism. Um, I mean, that speed is unreal. and He's, he's shown that he can develop a shot. Um, he's, a, he's significantly improved on that from his rookie year. Um, and I, I think he has some potential on the defensive end. Whereas I, I'm not sure Trey's really ever going to be able to guard anybody in the NBA. Yeah, he's a he's probably a better playmaker. Uh, but for a for a if I'm building a team, I'm building it with Fox
2: Parker. This is tough because I'm a huge fan of both players, and honestly, if any point guard drafted in the past five years. If you had to give a top three, it's probably Fox, Young, and, and um, D'Angelo Russell. Um, I'm going to put it this way. I think uh, Trey Young is going to be the more exciting player between the two of them. But also, because also, for one, the Hawks are trying to create this Warriors light, which that might come across as a weird flex. But I think in the process, they might become a team similar to the seven seconds or less phoenix suns because in addition to that curry like three-point shooting that he has shown both in college and in the nba he's also an amazing playmaker probably one of the better passers of the past decade to come to the draft but i think if you're trying to win a title and win tough playoff games i think De'Aaron fox is your guy and i'm i'm a championships only kind of guy so i gotta go with fox over here
0: I got to agree with Fox, and I'm surprised. I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised. I thought one of y'all would mention um, um, Trey Young, uh, but I, I agree. I think that Fox, defensive-wise, I also think his penetration ability with his speed uh, makes him makes him my pick. Um, maybe a little bit lesser one as far as a um, name, but I thought, think it's an interesting one. Kyle Kuzma or Laurie Markkinen?
2: Ooh. Ooh. Oh wow! Go Who ahead, wants Carter. to go first? Ah, wow. See, I love Kyle Kuzma. I really do. Um, I think when it comes down to it, Kuzma, of course, is an amazing offensive talent. He can create off the dribble. He can shoot the three. He can penetrate. He can run the break. Um, but Lori's ability to stretch out the offense, of course, like shoot threes, they run them off screen. And one thing I actually looked up the other day, I found this in um, some power rankings I read on The Athletic from Zach Harper, is this month in February, Lori Markin is averaging 21 and 13. And that's something that was surprised me because that was always one of his biggest knocks was the rebounding. I think Laurie Markinen has more potential to be a second fiddle, or yeah, a second fiddle on a championship team, because he kind of reminds me a lot of like a younger Paul Gasol. Um, whereas Kuzma, I think he's more of a Sharif Abdur Rahim right now to me, because he's a big forward that could play the three or the four, and he's going to get his buckets. But you don't know how much that's going to impact winning, as we've seen thus far with this Lakers team.
0: Justin, how about you? Yeah,
1: I, I'm gonna have to go with with Marketing as well. I like that comparison that, that Parker made as a young uh, pal. I never I never thought of that one. And, you know, you don't get to see Laurie as much because he was injured uh, and he plays for a bad team, so they're not getting a lot of national TV. But I like what he what he offers on both sides of the ball um, and his size more so than I do Kuzma. However, I was on Kuzma as the better Lakers draft pick uh, between him and Lonzo Ball from from the jump. Uh, I just don't think that Kuzma is a guy that, uh, if if you're looking to to build a championship team, as as Parker said, uh, I think Markin is that guy that you would look at
0: before you would Kuzma. I am of the essence that if you have a guy in marketing, um that I, I always put favor on a post player who can stretch, but still offer post qualities. marketing's ability to, like you said, he could be a Gasol, but he's got that three to the game. It's kind of like if you could add Mark Gasol's ability to shoot the three now with Paul Gasol's overall game, I think is a future projection for marketing That may be something to add. I know Powell can shoot the three himself, but I like that comparison also. I, I've got to go Markkinen myself. All right. This may – I think it's closer than it may seem, but I'm still going to go with it. Parker, we're going to start with you, Ben Simmons or Luka Doncic.
2: Luka Doncic. Like, do I even need to explain myself on this one? (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: (laughs) Me, I'm probably the biggest Luka guy on the Grizzly Bear Blues staff. I've been high on him since I was
0: I was I was gonna be doing uh Jaron Jackson and Luca but I, I figured I'd go with a similar player to him to an extent so
2: yeah I don't I don't want anybody to uh stop listening to the wonderful three and D podcast after I said <laughs> over Jaron Jackson. But I mean I think both of them are gonna be superstars for sure. But with Luca for one he already has that go to move that makes players lethal with that step back jumper. He can actually shoot, which kind of gives him the edge right there. He's just as good of a playmaker as Simmons, but I think it's not really shown as much. Great, it's shown a lot, but not as much as Simmons because Doncic is on a significantly worse team. I think if you gave them the same supporting cast, like if you gave him Embiid, Butler, Harris, and Redick, you would see, I think he would average like 10 assists a game. I think he would very well flirt with a triple-double right now. Um, The thing, though, that makes Simmons so dangerous, I think his positional versatility, I think you can realistically run him as a small ball five in the event that Embiid went down. And you can honestly operate with a LeBron Giannis-style offense where you basically surround him with a bunch of shooters. But right now, I just have to go with Luka because I think he's just an absolute killer. He's mustered the load, in cr- in cr- ah, in crunch time. Wow, was a ton twister. Um, he's mustered the load in the cr- in the clutch as a, something that not many players can handle. I think the fact that he shown that much maturity and poise at a young age is unbelievable. That's that's excellent
0: point, uh, uh, Justin. What do you think?
1: I, I don't think it's close. Uh, I think it's Luka Doncic and. Um just Simmons inability to shoot and spread the floor uh takes away from the team because uh, the other team can, can just sag off and, and help off on D and um I I think Luka's more of a, a a playmaker than Simmons. Um I, I like the point that I mean Parker took all the points. So like you put Luca on a team that's actually good. Uh, He's probably flirting with efficient triple-double numbers, unlike uh, Westbrook, who puts up some, hey, I'm going to jack up 25 shots to get my triple-double. And I think Lucas would be legitimate, non-garbage time, efficient triple-double that would carry a team.
0: I'm going to go Lucas as well. Um, I I think the shooting ability, I think the playmaking ability is there enough. Um, with the shooting ability pl- of Luca, um, and plus I also think that Luka's going to give more of an effort on the defensive end. Um, I know that uh, I've been Simmons' length, you know, just naturally is a good thing, but uh, I'll go Luca as well. All right, so I I, I I think I know the answer to this, but I'm I'm just going to go with it to end these um, the player preference duo toss up: Jaron Jackson Jr. or DeAndre Ayton.
2: Oh, man. You want me to go first on this one? Whoever wants to go first, you're more than welcome to. All right. So I've had this conversation with plenty of people about DeAndre Ayton. More notably, uh, Connor Dunning from the Eric Hasseltine Show and even Chris Vernon. I don't think Ayton is going to impact winning that much. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's an exceptional talent. He's going to put up good stats, but I think he's going to be about like a Boogie cousins to where if he's the guy on the team, he's not going to help you win games. I mean, actually kind of reminds me of Carl Anthony house right now. I think what just offers a lot more defense for one defensively, he's, he actually cares on defense and he's amazing at it too. I think you can basically throw him, um, and switch situations where he has to guard a pick and roll ball handler, which is he's shown an excellent ability to stay in front of these smaller, faster guys. And also, he has a more diverse offensive skill set because he can stretch out to the three. He can take both smaller guys and bigger guys off the dribble. He has an exceptional post game already as a rookie, something that we didn't expect. Even Aiton has an amazing post game. But I, I just want to roll with Jaron Jackson right here. I wouldn't even think if hot take right here. If we did a redraft right now of this 2018 draft, I don't think DeAndre Ayton's in the top four. I think that, he's that is socks. a hot,
0: that is a hot take. That, that's fair enough. But w- would Huter be up there for you, Kevin Huter?
2: Oh no, my top five okay. would be. Doncic, Jackson, Young, Bagley, and Aiton.
0: Fair enough. Okay. Justin Aiton or Jaron Jackson for you?
1: Uh yeah. So Parker stole my my Carlton Towns <laughs> take there. Um, that's because that's who I was thinking of. Was just if he's the guy, he's the best player on the team. I, I don't think Aiton's the guy that's going to win you many games. It doesn't help that he's in Phoenix, which has developed an absolutely terrible losing culture. Um, and as long as he is there, I don't think he'll develop into what he could possibly be, but I don't think Aiden's too far off from being, uh, what he could be. Um, I think he's, he's close to, uh, the player that he's going to be for his career. Whereas Jaron has some, uh, some parts of his game. He can still unlock and still learn and, and grow. Um, and I just like the idea of Jaron's versatility a little bit more than, than Aiden's and, uh, his footwork, uh, I drilled over in the uh, scouting part of the season before the draft, just his ability when he was switched on the guard to be able to guard somebody like that out on the perimeter. Uh, and, if, and as a coach, I've always been a defensive coach. So when I look at, at, at Jaron, it, it makes it an easy choice for me that I'm taking uh, Triple J. And
0: I'm going to agree with both of y'all. I, I think, again, uh, Aiton offers a high floor. He um, he 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 offers that, that that double double machine each night, but there is a limitation as far as his mobility on defense. And I also think that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s ability to stretch, like Parker said, and the defensive I think there's a significant difference in defensive ability. I'll take JJJ. I was going to compare Aiton with Carl Anthony Towns at a sixth option of comparing JJJ with John Collins. But I was like, let's keep it at five. So, but I, cool that we're on the same wavelength there. So, Parker, last week we talked about, you know, we got we spent about 20 minutes here talking about the Grizzlies. Last week, Justin brought up some great points that I believe he had discussed with you. And it was all about conveying the tick. That, that's what we know is the Grizzlies' goal. A couple of things you mentioned on Twitter. 23rd toughest schedule the rest of this season for the Grizzlies. 33 wins has been a magic number over the past few years, and it looks like we're going to have to play 500 basketball. You are an advocate for the for the term positionless basketball. You don't have positions on the court. I think the Grizzlies roster may be closer to that now than it was. Do you think that plays a part in potentially helping us to convey the pick? And where do you see the Grizzlies roster as far as us being able to convey the pick?
2: Oh, I absolutely think they can convey the pick this year because you can make an argument that even with Marcus Gasol on the roster on opening night, that this team currently is better and deeper than it is on opening night. One thing that you mentioned with this positionless basketball stuff is the fact that we can do it now. And one area in which that's important is the usage of three-guard lineups which before, if you were using a three-yard lineup, you're tossing out Mike Conley, Javon Carter, and Shelvin Mack, which is basically kind of because, I mean, Javon Carter, I, I, he's a dog defensively, but offensively, he's struggled immensely so far. But that's what's expected. And then we at that and emotional damage that Shelvin Mack brought us. But now you can trot out there Mike Conley, Avery Bradley, DeLon Wright, three Above average defenders, one that's kind of borderline elite, and on top of that, you can throw in at the four, such as a Justin Holiday or uh, Bruno Caboclo or Colin. If he turns, and you can when you at the five, and all of a sudden, you have a very versatile lineup that can kind of switch on to everything. So I really like that in the aspect. And one reason why I'm big on why I think they can convey the pick is because some teams behind them are not for coming along coming forward uh as I can see on tankathon right now minnesota uh their strength of schedule right now is fifty four percent um and then and I think they're not that good they've had a lot of injuries they have a very young coach Carl Anthony Towns is their best player with Derek Rose as their second best player. Derek Rose, (laughs) Andrew Wiggins. They have Robert Covington, but he's been hurt. So I think Minnesota can fall ahead of the Grizzlies in the reverse rankings. Uh, New Orleans has a 500 strength of schedule left, but their situation right now is a train wreck because of Anthony Davis. You have them fall ahead of us. I think one of these Eastern Conference teams, such as um, Detroit, Orlando, maybe Miami. I Miami also has a five, uh, 52% strength of schedule, and I don't think they're great. The Grizzlies have a 48.8% strength of schedule. Obviously, it's not ideal, but I I believe they can do it. I mean, why not?
0: The schedule uh, that you bring up, I think, is very important because what you see teams looking at right now, a week or two weeks from now, could be completely different. You mentioned, like, Minnesota, teams such as that. They may have, you know, last gas playoff hopes alive, but, you know, eventually they're going to have to realize that, just like the Grizzlies, the future is there to focus on as well. So I think that's an excellent point. Justin, we talked about last week, we talked about Jonas Valanciunas, we talked about DeLon Wright. We touched on Avery Bradley. Obviously, we know that this team is going to be carried by Mike Conley and Jaron Jackson Jr. Those are your two big players right now. Bradley, Wright, Valanciunas, yes. You know, th- those are players to consider as well. But besides Jackson Jr. and Conley, one or two players who you think really needs to step up or, or their development, them becoming a the key guy, that's what it's going to take for us to convey the pick. Who comes to mind, one or two guys right now on the roster, that, that really need to step up and support Jackson Jr. and Conley?
1: Man, I, I don't think that um, Jonas really has to step up for us to convey. I think if he just keeps giving us what he's given us as he's coming back from his in- injury, it's going to make it easy. That dude is an absolute beast. Um, and I think he was just underused or used incorrectly in Toronto when you've got uh, Kawhi and, and Kyle Lowry. And they were running a Back out there as a starter. um he has just come out uh just on fire for us, and if he keeps playing at that level of rebounding the way that he does, um that's gonna be huge. um I don't expect Bradley to shoot the way he did the other night when he set a career high on points, but if he can give us half of that each night, um uh, kind of returning to maybe Detroit. Uh, Avery Bradley, I, I don't know if we'll ever get Boston Avery Bradley uh, again, but uh, like a Detroit version of him. Um, that that would help. Um, and C.J. Miles, like I said in, in the last episode, is that guy we've been looking for off the bench that can shoot. And if he just comes off and, and knocks down two or three of three the game, that would be great. Uh, but a player that I think development-wise that can help us convey is if we keep running out Ivan Rad, we get some minutes. And he continues to produce the way that he has now. Obviously, there's going to be nights where he, the 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 youth comes out and he struggles, but he has looked really well uh, leading into the break. And if he continues to play at that
0: level, I think the Grizzlies uh, convey without problem. And that's something that I mentioned on the last episode was that you know if you look at each game as a 48-minute time time frame. For 40 minutes, if you can have a consistent rebounding presence in or Rab, it's great. If you could have shooting presences, I think a big guy, if he can keep playing in the few games that he did before the break, they could help us out. It's Justin a holiday. He shoots. Avery Bradley shoots. You've now got these weaknesses that are always there for the Grizzlies that are in better places. So I really think it makes some sense. Um, Parker, let's, let's shift a little bit now. So, Say the pick you've you really put numbers out there that talk about conveying the pick, but I do want to spend a little bit of time, just kind of we don't really have to dive deep into it. You can if you want, but the pick doesn't convey. Um, obviously, we're speaking on the day after you know Zion just went down with a major injury against North Carolina. Besides him, say we get in that fifth or sixth slot. Few names you're starting to look at in college basketball that you really think makes sense for the Grizzlies at, you know, fifth, five, sixth, seventh spot in the draft.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge fan of the ringer.com, and they put out a lottery uh, big board today. And guess who they had at two?
0: So I saw the article myself, and and I will be honest with you, I was more frustrated to see this than anything because he keeps moving up the board, and I think that he would be good. I believe we're talking about Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. Is that right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, that's who I'm talking about. I And he's actually listed on Tankathon for the Grizzlies at 6. So they have the Grizzlies getting Jarrett Culver at 6. Um, and then they also have DeAndre Hunter at 4, who's also ahead of R.J. Barrett. And I think DeAndre Hunter is the kind of guy, I think both of these players actually are the kind of guys that you f- want to fit with Jaron Jackson. And I want to give my props out to Cam Rose from the Outsiders podcast for talking about this. But the Grizzlies should really look to build around Jaron's defensive skill set. Try to build that elite defensive team that you had with that Grant and grind Grizzlies but the difference is, you have more versatile defenders at the three position, kind of like the grit and grind Grizzlies that had, you know, Tony Allen, Taillon Prince, Marcus All. You can very well get that with a guy, with guys like Jaron Jackson, and then Hunter or Culver, and then Avery Bradley. Um, that those are the two guys I would target at least. Um, I would keep my eye on a guy like Cam Reddish or Romeo Langford, just for their scoring abilities. But really, if I had to give a big board at that sixth spot of realistic options there. I definitely got to go with Culver or Hunter, maybe even Darius Garland.
0: Justin, um, obviously the, the three and D um, a scenario, I agree with Parker completely. You can get that guy who you could put on the perimeter with, uh, with Conley if he's here or with it, it, Kyle Anderson, who we know will be here, and you compare put, put that third guy with Anderson and Jackson, that's a heck of a defensive trio to start with, plus the added offensive value of a three-pointer. What are your thoughts, similar to Parker in terms of the 3 and D type guys who are out there, or do you have somebody else that's on your mind that, 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 you, that you might not necessarily reach for, but you may think have more potential?
1: Yeah, um, it's, if it gets crazy and somebody like Reddish or uh, R.J. Barrett fall, I, I think we've got to, get to take that chance because we we are desperate for a guy that can create his own shot or, or knock down shots at a, at a high rate, um, and those guys have the potential to do that. But realistically, from that six to eight spot in the draft, I, I think the number one guy on the board is R.J. Hunter. Um, or that, that, no, DeAndre Hunter, not R.J. Hunter. Um, and just his Kawhi body comparison is just uh, that's that's enough for me to get excited. But he he plays from a defensive system in Virginia, uh, and he and he can knock down the three ball. Uh, so he he's a guy to watch, like Parker said. Um, and I, I've not watched a lot of Jared Culver, um, so I'm not I can't speak on him. But I have been high and, and preaching on Darius Garland. Uh, for the longest um, even though he's been injured this year uh he is a five star guy uh he's a a bigger point guard uh and that, that's kind of what the n b a is moving towards these these point guards that are uh six four six five and uh if if the plan is to move Conley uh in the draft or in the off season uh and you're not getting a point guard in return, then Garland's a good place to look but if you keep Conley. Um and he's got a couple years on his contract and he trains up Garland to be the point guard in the future. Uh so I do like taking a chance and I do say chance because Garland's had a knee injury and uh, hasn't played so he hasn't really seen him. Uh, but I, I think he could be somebody that's overlooked because of the injury injury and be a, a good pick up between six and eight. Um I don't want anything to do with uh Rui from Gonzaga. Um Gonzaga players Outside of Demonis Sabonis, I've never seen translate into the NBA. Uh, they're kind of system players, and, and I think that he would fall into that and, and be a system guy. Um, but uh, Hunter and, and Garland are, are my two guys I'm watching.
0: I'm just going to throw a scenario out there. I think that if the Grizzlies have a pick around six or eight, they're six, seven or eight. They're going to pick a player. But, you know, Parker, you're looking at Tankathon. I'm doing the same thing right now. Did you notice that Boston, right now, Grizzlies are in the sixth spot. But did you notice that Boston right now has three other first-round picks? hmm I did. If Boston comes to us with multiple first-rounders, I know about dropping from 6 to 14 to 18, but it almost intrigues me to think about that. Like could trading back make sense if like a Barrett or a Reddish fall back? I probably at the end of the day would pick the player, especially if those guys were there, but that's at least another intriguing thought. We're all talking about conveying the pick to Boston, but what if we get the pick and then we wind up trading with Boston to get multiple first rounders? In a draft that may not be that strong, it may make some sense. That's that's just a another idea that's in there. May not have that much merit, but do y'all think trading back in the 6-8 to eight spot makes any sense at all? I
2: don't think it does. Um, one thing that I wouldn't mind doing is doing what, Atl- doing what Atlanta did with Dallas. They went young but didn't want to take him at 3, but Dallas wanted Luka, and they were afraid that the Grizzlies were going to take Luka ahead of them. One falls in love with like a Jarrett Culver or a DeAndre Hunter, or maybe a Reddish or Barrett falls, and you try to a pick for a guy that you still want. Plus, getting a, a pick in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, because you may not have a pick in either one of those drafts. Um, you mentioned the whole trading with Boston. I wouldn't want to trade with Boston anymore. Because it's caused too much emotional distress in my life. Because we got Jeff Green, and then they and they probably have the greatest. They have the greatest non-player asset in the NBA right now with our pick. And um, if I did trade with Boston, I would ask for the pick back. I would ask them. All right, so Cam Reddish or RJ Barrett or Jared Culver are there at six. Give us our pick back from your wrath oh while you're at it give us one or two of those later first round picks that you have also so we can snag um kevin porter and daniel gafford why not but but, scenario if we get our pick back
0: And the thing that I'll say is this: is that you know, more than anything, I we I believe we all three would agree that conveying makes some sense because there are limitations to our future. You know, with 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 the, you know the um, Chandler Parsons situation. You know, what's going to happen with the with the um, and Bradley and all these other players who have options at the end of the seasons. You know, we got some uncertainty there. So, as much certainty as we can get for the future is definitely for lack of a better word, an asset for right now. But we've uh, got about five minutes here, Parker. Just want to kind of end with this. Um, we've talked about the trade deadline. One popular thing I think was out there in the Grizzly Bear Blues you know, Twitter community. There, there was a picture of you and and, uh, um, and Mark Gasol. Um, we'll just kind of end with, with your thoughts on the Gasol trade, and do you feel that trading Conley in the summer is the best route to go?
2: I absolutely think it's the best route to go, and I also love the Mark Gasol trade. For one, I think Chris Harrington of Daily Memphis reported that the final offer from Charlotte was Bismack Biombo, Marvin Williams, and a protected first, and that honestly makes me barf because Marvin Williams or Bismack Biombo. They will not help achieve the goal of conveying the pick. In fact, Biondo will be dead money next season as a third-string center getting paid $17 million. Um, so getting guys like Dallin Junis, uh, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, I think is a good get for the Grizzlies for an aging center that's falling away from the modern NBA. And as I wrote on com last week, I think it's totally fine. That we didn't necessarily get, you know, guys within Jaron's timeline or a first-round pick in this Gasol trade, because as we've seen in recent history, with some of these surprise teams that have come along, teams like Utah and um, Utah, Indiana, Brooklyn, is they have guys that have been there before, guys that are veteran players that are also in their primes playing as role players alongside their young guys and ultimately translating to winning basketball. And I think if you can get Jaron Jackson around guys like Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, A.V. Bradley, DeLon Wright, Dylan Brooks, when he returns healthy, and then maybe Ivan Rabb Javon Carter emerges too. That's already a good foundation to stay competitive without – just bottoming out. And I think too, with adding a potential top eight pick plus any return that you get from Mike Conley, you can have a very surprising team going into 2019, 2020 that could one surprise a lot of folks and make the playoffs, and two, can goes unprotected. So and though people think the Grizzlies are short short sighted, that's my response to use. I think there's a Bit, I'm fully confident that the front office will go through with it.
0: And Justin, on that same end, um, if we were to trade Conley, would your focus? I know that this draft is weaker than most, or it, it, this draft is weaker than supposedly the 2020 or the 2021 draft. Would you want a young player back? You think? For, do you think it's more makes more sense to go for a young player? With Conley's value, or just try to get as many picks that you can get for him if we do trading. I, I don't, I don't know how many picks you're gonna be able to get for him. Um, his value
1: isn't high enough to to bring in multiple first round picks. I, I like the idea of maybe maybe snagging a, a a twenty. You might be able to get a twenty twenty two first round pick and a young player. Um, nobody's. I think those twenty twenty ones are gonna be hard to to get from people. Um, so I, I'm looking to get if we're gonna if we're just having to trade Conley, let's let's get a young guy that maybe needs a change of scenery, uh, or or has uh, some sense of promise to him and and let's move forward that way. Um, I think it's a pipe dream to think that we might get um multiple picks for him.
0: And I agree completely. Like I stated, I, I, I would love to eventually get DeMontis a bonus, but it, 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 the thing more than anything is, is that it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. We've got something to play for. Hopefully we'll play well, get that pick conveyed, and then we'll see what the summer brings us. Parker, we can't thank you enough. We're wrapping up here with the 3 of D podcast this week. Um, uh, Parker, just real quickly, um, Core 4 podcast coming up soon i uh, looking forward to hearing you and Nathan Chester soon, bud. But, again, can't thank you enough for joining us, man.
2: Thanks for having me, Sean and Justin. It's been a good one.
0: All right. Justin, as always, bud, have a great uh, week. And uh, we will see you next week uh, when we talk a little bit about uh, the, the Grizzlies' uh, start to the uh, second half of the season. Thanks for joining us, and have a great weekend.